The following podcast is an 8122 Productions podcast in association with Hashtag 607 Podcast, Next Wave, Alternate Reality Radio. For more information, please go to 8122productions.com. Coming to you from 8122 Production Studios in the heart of the 607, this is Horror Zone 607. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. And remember, you can always join the conversation using hashtag HZ607. Welcome to Horror Zone 607, the podcast where we talk all things horror and bring you the week's biggest horror movie news. I am your host, Mike C., in this winter wonderland that we call Binghamton, New York. And I think most of the country has been under a blanket of snow one way or another here for the last week. But we are getting, we, we got pummeled this weekend and uh, and Monday uh, here in, in upstate New York. So, but we are in the studio. We are bringing you horror movie news because that's what we love to do. So, got a lot of news. We got a lot of stuff to talk about as usual. But before I can do any of that. I got a special friend that's with me each and every week that I want to introduce to all of you. He is my co-host. You know what? If there is one word to describe him, it is simply scrumtralescent. Scrumtralescent. He's rich. I, I don't I don't know if I've ever heard the word scrumtralescent. So I got to be honest. I actually am stealing this from about 20 years ago on Saturday Night Live. Uh, Will Ferrell, when he was still on it, used to do a skit where he was James Lipton from uh, Inside the Actor Studio. Uh-huh, yeah. And he, he actually said that in one of his skits. He goes, I, if I could come up with one word for you, it is scrumtralescent. So I didn't come up with that myself, but it was so funny and it stuck with me for 20 years. It reminded you know me what? of you. You're you know what? I, I, I'm very, uh, very uh, honored to be scrumptralescent. But if there was one word that I would use to describe myself, it would simply be awesome. Just saying. Just <laughs> there saying. it is. There it is. I uh, love the soundboard. Yes, the new soundboard. Matt Vaskersian and Harold Reynolds have nothing on us from Hot no, Stove. Hell, hell no. Hell our, no. our soundboard is going to beat theirs at some point. Yeah, uh, there's got to be. There's still work to be done. But yes, I, I got some. I got some buttons to play with now. <laughs> How was your Thanksgiving? Uh, my Thanksgiving was very good. I mean, I had dinner, spent time with family. I mean, uh, really kind of uneventful in a way, but yeah. uh, very good, uh, very relaxing. Yeah. So, I, no complaints. How was your Thanksgiving like? It was excellent. Uh, I travel uh, each and every year to my brother's home. He lives about mm-hmm. three hours away, uh, so I got to spend time with him and his wife and their two little girls who are one and four. Um, the one-year-old was teething and was just in a nasty mood, and you know she just didn't want to be bothered with, but the four-year-old is my buddy. She's my goddaughter. And, there you uh, go. I love being around her. Awesome. Uh, unfortunately, I got sick with a nasty cold uh, on my way home and uh, i've been sick ever since i was gonna say unfortunately kids are carriers they are they are they were both yeah. sick too yeah. i don't know if i picked it up from them or somebody at work but well, uh, possibly but you so, know so it, i apologize to all it. you if my voice is rough this week you know we're gonna do our best to get through this show it, it is worth hanging out with the kids even if they are sick oh yeah it is i i 100 percent. I, I have to agree but uh, once again uh, usually they are carriers they definitely they are because i mean they touch things they're around other children children are tender. yeah and you know I, i'm just gonna say too you know i know everybody's biased to their own family I, i'm going out on a limb i'm gonna say that my two little nieces are the two cutest most adorable little girls i have ever seen in my entire life they're beautiful little girls they're funny they're awesome i've got a great family spoken there you go. You've spoken. I have spoken. You have spoken. It's done. It's it is final. 
It is. Yeah. If, if he says it, then it's final. Yeah, you better believe it. There you go. Well, we have uh, quite a bit. We got a good show here. We got a couple yeah. segments. We got some horror news. And then we got a uh, kickoff of uh, something uh, we, that we're calling Twas the Night Before Black Christmas. We'll, yeah. we'll get into that for that's talking horror. That's the second segment. But, Mike, how about we kick off uh, some uh, horror news here? Yeah, let's get it started. So, uh, the first thing, and this is just something that's just kind of starting to break right now. We all know that Ghostbusters 2020 is coming, you know, next year. Um, it, it's uh, going to be in theaters on July 10th of 2020. Uh, but that's just what they've been calling it now is Ghostbusters 2020. Well, what we do know is it is officially named Ghostbusters Afterlife in the UK. That is official. Now, sometimes in the UK, they have different names mm-hmm. for their movies than they will here. It's implied, though, that it's going to be called Ghostbusters Afterlife. Yeah, well, we had talked about it uh, about a month ago when it, it first broke that that was possibly the leaked name for the movie. Yeah. And we were like, yeah, we'll treat it with a grain of salt because it's a rumor. Uh, but uh, now it looks like that's going to be the name. It, it fits. If you if you hear uh, Dan Aykroyd talk about the movie in interviews, because uh, he's been very candid lately about it, hence how we found out Bill Murray was in the movie, for yep. sure. Uh, it, you know, I feel feel like it's it's fitting for the movie and of course because i just want to go to this one because it, it never gets old you know of course july 10th you know better late than never. you know it's better yeah. late than never yeah. it really is and and that was from ghostbusters too so yeah. that's how dated this is we've been waiting for a long time to get 30 the real the real part three of this story yeah. and I, I cannot wait to see this movie on july 10th i don't know what to think of it i just keep hearing about how the whole thing is going to be starring the whole new group of people but they're going to be there i'm, I'm curious to see what they're going to do i you know i know that they got to pass the reins you know this is this is very likely going to be the last time that we see them as ghostbusters um they keep saying that people are going to love it you know and i want to believe them but they're trying to sell tickets to but i don't know how i feel about this being very strongly driven by a whole new cast and they're just going to be kind of like there because uh, that's what it sounds like i'm good with it and the reason why is because they have a very capable cast they do i mean when you have a cast that has finn wolfhard and McKenna paul grace, rudd and mckenna grace yeah. you know that this is a very capable cast if it would have been one of those times where you're like oh you know the cast is kind of eh then I'm with you. I'm, I'm like, I'm a little more reserved, but this is like an all-star cast. They, is, they, didn't, they didn't just go out and find like, oh yeah, you want to do a, you want to do a Ghostbusters movie? Uh, oh, you want to do a Ghostbusters movie? All right, you're in. Right. You know, we'll, we'll get one name star and then we'll get a couple other people who are, you know, lesser known. And that's what we'll do. No, they went out and they, they got some pretty big known people yeah. and, and that are not on top of being well-known are super good actors. They are. I mean, from what I'm reading about it, like the like Finn Wolfhard and McKenna Grace are actually going to become Ghostbusters. And I don't know that I want to see a 13-year-old and a 16-year-old as Ghostbusters. I yeah, don't know. But Maybe legend- you're gearing them up for another sequel in the future when they're going to be older. I don't know. But, I, uh, but, but allegedly, they are also uh, related to Egon. Yeah, I mean, Phil Wolfhard, you could say. Alleg- allegedly. I mean, it is very much highly implied. But once again, these are we're, we're full of rumors right now because right. nobody really knows. They nobody have knows. been very they have been very tight. Right? And I hope it stays that way up until it comes oh, yeah. out. I don't want to see a bunch of different trailers come out to have all kinds of different spoilers. I want to see the movie on July, uh, I have, July 10th. I have faith in this movie because it is a legacy film. Yeah. And by that, if you think about it, this is definitely the the third installment of the original series. We are getting Dan Aykroyd back. We are getting Bill Murray back. We are getting Ernie Hudson back. There is a, a bunch of cast coming back. Uh, whether whether it's just to do a, a cameo and curtain call, I'm sure it's going to be more in a cameo. I'm sure they're going to be, yeah, they might not be the forefront, but they're going to be there leading uh, in their way and passing on the torch. Uh, Harold Ramis, uh, allegedly, they're going to be doing something with putting him somehow in the movie. Mm-hmm. Allegedly. Allegedly. 
Uh, but then on top of that, you have, like I said, the, the young cast. And of course, Jason Reitman. Ivan Reitman did the original. His, his fi- This is his father's movie. Yeah. And he is now remaking it. This is a complete legacy film. And usually you get nervous about movies when they go into the hands of somebody who just wants to make something and maybe make a buck or whatever. This is like truly like we are going to the legacy. We're going right. to the roots. Jason Reitman wanted to do this movie, the legacy of his father, continuing it on. He talked to Dan Aykroyd. He talked to Bill Murray. He talked to Ernie Hudson. He talked to all the original cast members and got all of them to come back. And and I don't know if you under, if you know this or not, and and I know you'll agree, getting Bill Murray back in had it says it all. Yeah. Because think about it. He said he unequivocally he always would say he was done. Yeah, not coming. Well, he back. was kind of back and forth. I was reading about it um, yesterday, actually, and um, you know, it's he would like be like, "Oh, I'm gonna do it. I'm all in." No, I'm not doing it. I don't want anything to do with it. No, I'm all in. No, I'm not doing anything. And it just caused 30 years of frustration, you know, for Harold Ramis and for Dan Aykroyd right. more than anybody. Right. But um, so the fact that they did get him, you know, I think that this means that there's something there. Yeah. Because the fact that he wouldn't have come back even for a paycheck before. Right. And that should tell you something. Yeah. I mean, he does a lot of artsy films. Let's be honest. I mean, now he does. And, and I love Bill Murray. He's a great actor. I, yeah. I love him. But Agreed. At the same point in juncture, I, I think there's something there if you're bringing him back and he came back with bells on. And from what I understand from Dan Aykroyd in interviews, it was like it was back in the 80s. And they were still like the tightest of friends when he was on set. So it, 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 it transformed them to another time. I just hope that they're awesome. not going to be kind of just like cameos or slightly above a cameo in this. That's that's my biggest concern. I want to see a Ghostbusters film. I don't. Do you want to? Here's my hot take before we move on. I'll, I promise I won't make it that long. Uh, I, I think, and this is just an opinion. So don't. this is nothing I've read. This is just kind of what I think. I think what's going to happen is that somehow the family of of egon is going to something's going to happen and they're not going to have answers and somehow they're going to get in touch and i really honestly believe it will be ernie hudson that will be the bridge because he has always kind of felt like the middle ground Mm -hmm. and ernie hudson they'll be like i don't know what's going on we're being visited by something and it's 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 not nice it's not good and Ernie will then go to Dan Aykroyd and be like, come on, Ray, we have to we have to go. We have to help his family. We have to do this. We owe it to him. And, of course, Dan Aykroyd, Ray, Ray, Ray Stance will be like, we got to go. And then they'll go and they'll they'll meet, you know, Janine and they'll meet whoever. And last on the list will be uh, Peter Vakeman. And then you'll show up and they'll try to get him on board. And he'll, you know, finally, be, he'll probably say no at first, in my opinion. That's it would make sense compared, considering what he's done for the last 30 years in reality, that would make sense. Yeah. And, and that then, just seems the way the character and is. And then he turns around and just goes, he shows up. And then, yeah. and then, mind you, they won't be the focal, focal point, but they will be there to hold the hand and, the, and there to save the day. Because then you'll probably deal with his family having to deal with these spirits and not know what's going on. And then all of a sudden, here's the Ghostbusters. Yeah. Like and, the original line. And that makes sense. You might be right because everything I've read that Dan Aykroyd has said so far, the little bit that he has said is he keeps saying that the fans are going to absolutely love it and that it's going to tug at the heartstrings. Mm-hmm. That would make sense for something like that, especially since, you know. So you'll have two plots going on at the same time. You yeah. will have his family and these the, the young kids trying to deal with these spirits who have invaded the world and then you will have the the drama of whether the ghostbusters are back in business for this to help out their fellow you know now gone ghostbuster and then you'll have the meeting and i think the climax will see the ghostbusters are fighting our back and fighting this and then in the climax scene if you're going to put harold ramus in right when it looks like the ghostbusters are not going to succeed he saves the day as a ghost yeah. and and that would be fitting that would be one of those moments where and when you talk about tug at the heartstrings there it is oh, and yeah. that would fit the movie afterlife because all of a sudden they're about to lose 
he comes out of nowhere. Right. The ghost of him, and he joins his brothers, and they're like, oh, help save here, the day. here we are together once again right. winning. And, of course, you know, you got to get the funny stuff in there because it's Ghostbusters. Right. You know, Ray, Ray's got to, you know, he's got to be asked if he's got a god, and he's got to say <laughs> no. Whenever, whenever anybody asks you if you're a god, you say yes. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, there, I, but that's my opinion. It might be different, but I think that would hit all of the things that Dan Aykroyd You may be said. spot on with that. That's, be, I'm going to be thinking if, about you know that what? going into it. So That movie, I think a lot of people would go to see. Oh, that because movie's going to be. That movie's, movie's going to make I'm gonna be hundreds there. of millions of Brother, dollars. I'm going to be there. I'm going oh, to be there, I'm gonna be there with bells on. I'm going to have my popcorn. I'm going to have my, my, my Coke Zero, and I'm going to be ready yeah. to watch that damn movie. Not only are you going to have a whole new, you know round of kids that are going to want to go see a Ghostbusters movie because it's going to look cool, but you're going to have people that were interested in the remake mm-hmm. that are going to want to go see the new one, but you're going to have all the people from our generation from when we were kids and older than us that love those movies that have been Absolutely. just yearning for another one. It, that Absolutely. movie's going to make hundreds of millions of dollars. I don't know that it'll hit a billion, but it's going to be up it's there. Gonna make, it's going to make a lot of money. That might be one of the highest grossing films of 2020. You, we're calling it right now. You know you know what's not going to make a, a ton of money, Mike? What's that? The new Wrong Turn sequel. Yeah, so that's next up on the list here because that also got a got a new title. It, it got its official title this week, uh, it's, or last week actually. It's going to be called Wrong Turn: The Foundation. Oh, uh, we're looking going. We're going origin style. Yeah, that's what it looks like. That's, yeah, that, that's what it sounds like at least. Yeah, the the villains in this one don't sound like they're necessarily going to be like inbred mountain men. There's going to be a group of people that are in West Virginia that come across a settlement of people. But this is the origin of the inbred mountain man. I'm telling you, I, I'm calling, I'm calling my shot right now. That yeah. this is going to be a origin story, hence the name. Right. I think that the villains, if I'm not mistaken, I don't have it written down right now, but I think they're called like Deerhead and Moosehead and stuff like that. Yeah. Something along those lines. I don't know. But I'm telling you, what you're going to find out is that there are the relatives that start this whole thing that we ended up, and this is going to be an origin story. Why other? Yeah. Or why else would you call it Foundation? The Foundation. Right. Because and the, they've the kind of done prequels the on, in the series and yeah. the sequels, but I still don't know if this is going to be going straight to video, if it's going to be in theaters. They haven't said yet. I, I, I hope that this one goes to theaters. I, I don't expect it to. I'm going to hit the home run one than this VOD, baby. Yeah. And hopefully, if we're lucky, it's going to be on Shutter, and then I don't have to pay anything for yeah. it because I already pay my Shutter dues. Yeah. You're absolutely right about that. <laughs> uh, another remake is in the works. Uh, don't know a whole lot about it yet, but there, uh, there's a remake of Pumpkinhead being planned. And I'm in. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in until it gets it's, it's crappy. Hopefully, they, they which do. it probably will be. But I, well, here's the thing: I don't know though. Like you have, you have because the original movies, in my opinion, they're cult classics, but they're not great. And I mean, I'm I'm a fan of the series, even even the really bad ones, which would be like Blood Wings and stuff like that. Mm. Bad, bad movies. But a good I'm, friend of yours was in one of those sequels. Yes, 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 absolutely. But I'm I just want to point this out. I I I think. We have to go with that. This is a series that you could remake, breathe some life into it, bring something new to it. And if you're going to do a full on remake, the CGI and everything else that we have now, you could make this movie very good. Mm -hmm. You have a good base that you could start with as a cult classic movie, but you could improve that movie. And if they do that, then this will be great. Now, if they don't, it won't be so much. Uh, I'm going to right now. I get to live in the world where I get to hope and pray that <laughs> that they do what I said and they make it, they take that base and improve on it and hope it doesn't go the other way, but it could go either way. But right. I'm going to be hopeful. I'm going to be hopeful you know, as of right now. I don't want to see CGI in it. The original one had all practical effects, but the one thing that I never liked about it is like the look and the movement of the monster, you know, something like that. You know, if, if you're going to do it, make it move around slicker. Uh, here's my thing. 
I love, and you know me, I normally love practical magic or movie magic. Sorry. So um, you, you love practical ugh. magic. Where? Yeah, no, not, not that movie. Sorry. <laughs> practical movie magic. I love it. Uh, and I really do. I think this movie has to have a mixture of the two. And I think you are absolutely right in, in what you're saying. I never liked the way that the, uh, the, 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 it moved. So now what you could do is you could build parts of it and use practical for a lot of it but for movement you could use cgi yeah and i feel like that is where you could win and mix the two together when done right it looks great right we've seen examples of it done great you have to mix the two though yeah it was almost like you they couldn't get the monster to move around pro- like properly like something with I the think- costume on it so i wondered if it was almost like like puppets that they were trying to use to fill in because it just it seemed like they were dragging around a puppet with like strings at, first at of all it was gigantic yeah and secondly i think where it really is is if you really remember the creature and if you don't go back and watch Pumpkinhead for any of the listeners who don't but if you remember the creature it was an odd shaped being yeah it wasn't really like an easy thing to move because it had odd features yeah to make it look as grotesque as it was which it was great and what I'm saying is if you can mix the two if you can right. use the practical but then use the CGI to clean it up it or, could be or a home come run. up with a better looking creature you could do that absolutely which they probably is, won't because hollywood isn't very original yeah but, but. here's a, here's a perfect opportunity where i said you can have an opportunity where you have a strong base but you could not it could be improved because it yeah. could have always been improved and now you can make a better movie now because you had a strong base you have a cool story that everybody loves the story there's a lot of things visually wrong with the movies but everybody likes the story at the end of the day yeah you take that story and you make it more visually stunning I, I'm. I can't wait to see who's going to be attached to this in the future when and when they're pulling forward, and that might make, get my hopes up. Right. If we have somebody really good like behind it, I'm in. But if we have somebody like and yeah, no, like obviously if like McG's in front of it again, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm out. I'm out. Oh, we don't want McG doing Pumpkinhead. No, no, McG's Pumpkinhead. Ooh, rated no. PG <laughs> for all ages. Yeah. Uh, next up, uh, Netflix has acquired the rights to a new untitled docuseries that's going to be described as a gritty and meticulous study of some of America's most haunted locations. Um, don't have a name, you know, as I said, it's an untitled project right now, but, uh, this sounds pretty cool. Uh, it's coming from director Joe Berlinger, who, if you don't know who that is, uh, he's the man that brought us conversations with a killer, the Ted Bundy tapes, as well as extremely wicked, shockingly evil and vile. So good capable director. hands, capable hands. Uh, I'm, I'm usually not in the paranormal stuff. That's you. Uh, I would be in if our good friend Dustin Perry was in. Huh? I, I would be in for that. that, that uh, uh, you know what? He's, he's an awesome guy. I, I might have to repost this article on uh, Twitter and tag him on it and see if you we should. can get a response out of because I think that we could. You he's, know, he's, he's a good guy, and I would support if he was on it because he's he's a good guy. Oh yeah, I, I enjoyed I enjoyed uh, immensely our time with him. So uh, well, if he's too. involved, if he's involved, then I'm in. If not, it, it, it looks good and it's in capable hands. I will say that all day. Uh, I I will root for it to to win, but I'm just not. You know, I'm not the paranormal. Yeah. you're the paranormal guy. I'm not. Yeah, some of the some of the places I'd like to. I, I would love, and it never happens, and it's because the town doesn't really want people there, and they kind of nix a lot of stuff. I would love to see somebody get into the Amityville house, and you know, to actually. They, they've never filmed anything inside of that house before the real house you, you I would know, love that you know what I would love I would love if we could do a interview here in studio with our good friend uh, Bishop Plato Angelicus the real exorcist uh, I will not be here for that episode <laughs> if that happens because uh, I don't want anything touching me I don't want to go home with anything attached to yeah, me I, I, I knew that that was going to be the answer yeah I'll be coming in with uh, holy water <laughs> the week after and I'll be blessing this entire studio and saying a lot and of I, our I fathers he, and Hail Marys I hope he brings the Annabelle doll with him the real Annabelle doll uh, out of the case too 
Has he you guys been see... with it before? No, I don't think so. Oh well, I, I just had, about I just that. Had, I just had to. I just wanted to make some jokes to. That's a raggedy doll. Right I don't think that there's anything really wrong with that doll. So I would be fine. I'd rather that doll be here than him. Yeah, I don't want to be with anybody. That's I told done you, I, I'm exorcisms. already willing to make that sacrifice. You go right ahead. Me, I, I told somebody I'm already willing to make the sacrifice. We said it to you before. Get the uh, I, I get the Annabelle doll. I'll go wherever they want me to go. You can have it out of the case, and I'll hang out all night and have pizza and stuff with the doll. I I I don't believe in it that's why yeah but you know that's just me once again if you believe in it that's fine i, I don't judge people uh i know I, I know when i got to talk to doug bradley he's big into paranormal stuff but he's also like he, he still he agreed with me he's, he's a skeptic he doesn't believe in any of it's real but he likes it yeah he digs I'm it the so same it's way you know i i believe in certain things because i've had things happen to me personally but at the same time i think that most of the stuff you see on tv is is all fabricated you know they're, they're trying to get people to watch tv so uh what what would we be if we didn't have at least one box office story? Ooh, box office. So Knives Out opened this past week. I'm dying to see this movie. I haven't Ryan, had a chance. Ryan Johnson, you know, the acclaimed director of such great movies as The Last Jedi. Mm. Mm. I didn't realize he was the one behind this. Yeah, he's the director of Knives Out, by the way. It's getting amazing reviews. It is. Uh, Ron went to see it. Ron uh, is, is still sleeping off him being a superhero here in Binghamton. <laughs> True story. That's why he's not here to talk about it. But yeah, he went to see it. Uh, yeah. It, yeah, it comes from Ryan Johnson. You Did know. he like it? Uh, I, I haven't talked to him about it because he's been so busy at the work. The professor went to I see it too, but I haven't talked to him. Oh, see. Well, I haven't seen it yet, so I can't really speak of it, but I, I do know who the director was. By the way, this is the guy who uh, just recently did an interview where he was basically talking shit about like Star Wars fans not liking Last Jedi and said, you know, if they don't get the fuck, they don't get the fact that it was an inclusive, that we were being an inclusive movie, they can go fuck themselves. That mm. was an exact quote from him. Sorry. Uh, I know I don't usually I swear read some much today here, He but wants to do an episode of the Mandalorian yes, yes. too. Uh, and then he made <laughs> knives out and uh, inclusivity. I don't, I don't see that because it's all white people. Yeah. Uh, they should have just titled this, the movie. I see white people. Oh, uh, I, I'm just saying, I, 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 once again, I don't have anything against it. It's an all-star lineup. You got Jamie Lee Curtis is in this movie. You got Chris Evans in this movie. There's an all-star lineup of cast and characters in this movie. So I'm sure the movie is fine. It's just that right now I'm kind of like, fuck Ryan Johnson. Yeah. So, uh, well, he made a terrible Star Wars movie. So he did, now I don't know. Yeah. But I, 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 from what I heard, it's getting good reviews. So yeah, hopefully, it's getting excellent reviews. Uh, it opened to 41.7 million here in the States and a total of 70 million worldwide. So did really well at the box yeah, office. Yeah. Unfortunately, it opened up against Frozen 2. Yeah. And Frozen 2 got all the monies all the time. You know what? $70 million worldwide. Or even if we're just talking in the States, 41.7 opening weekend when you're up against that on a holiday weekend. Well, here's the thing. Disney always always puts themselves where they control from Thanksgiving to the new year. So you have Frozen that came out right before Thanksgiving. You have families. Everybody's getting together. And that is the family movie. And it made a ton of money. And then it it carried over two weeks in the box office. It was number one the first week. It was number one the second week. So it's, it's still making a ton of money. And then you have this week coming up where I feel like it'll still be number one. And then right shortly thereafter, Jumanji will take over for one week and one week only because then Rise of Skywalker comes out. So Disney will own the box mm, office yeah. all but one week. Yep. And uh, that was I, I said on the Three Fat Nerds podcast this week, I think it was really dumb of the people who are involved in Jumanji, the directors, the producers, et cetera, et cetera, the studio, to want to put their movie out a week before Star Wars Rise of Skywalker because everybody knows that oh, that means you're going to make whatever money you make in that first week. And then... So long to your movie because everybody's going to go see 
Star Wars. Star Wars has already got 130 or 130 to 140 million just in pre-sales. Yeah. And they're expecting 175 to 200 million domestically. Right. That's just domestically. That's not worldwide. Those are all domestic numbers. I think they're going to get over 200 million opening week easy. And worldwide, they're going to be over a half a billion easy because it's Star Wars. So, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if I'd open up against it. But once again, uh, I, I will talk to Ron and you can talk to the professor. And uh, if, if Knives, honestly, it looks like a great cast. If Knives Out is good, I'll go see it. Yeah. I, I, I honestly just uh, don't like Ryan Johnson as a person. Yeah. Like, if you can't take the fact that you made a bad movie, don't crap on the fans for calling you out for making a bad movie. It was sloppy. Yeah. Honestly, and as a Star Wars fan, it was a sloppy movie. Right. Like, it was worse than some of the prequel movies because it was sloppy. Like, that movie had a had a good... And, I mean, J.J. Uh, Abrams came out and was like, uh, by the way, uh, you know, he kind of had, a, like, this kind of nice way of saying, like, well, I had to change direction for Rise of Skywalker because he killed off Snokes in uh, uh, Last Jedi, so I didn't... I had to change my original plans. So he kind of backhandedly said, eh, in a nice way, like, <laughs> eh, he kind of fucked up what I was doing here, but, you know, whatever. I digress. If you want to hear more nerd stuff, you can always check out 8122 <laughs> Productions' other show, uh, the show that I host, Three Fat Nerds Podcast. Anywhere podcasts can be found just by typing in Three Fat Nerds. Uh, or go to 8122productions.com. You can stream and download from there as well. So there's my plug for the show. Sorry. Shameless plug. Shameless plug in there. You are the Mick Foley of podcasts. Uh, well, uh, actually, I, I say Diesel is. Diesel's a plug machine. Yeah. You can give Diesel like the uh, outline. And, you know, of course, we had him on the show last week. He didn't do too much plugging on this show. But you can give him like a basic outline of what you want him to do. Just like, like we need to talk about, you know, whatever and tell him. And he'll, he'll, he'll come up with some shit. It's weird. It's crazy. He's the originator. I learned all my tricks from him. And he's good at it. And speaking of that, if you want to hear uh, about Patreon, I, I know I shouldn't be plugging it right now, but we did the first episode of Love is Scary with Spooky <laughs> Mike and Dr. Derek. Uh, it, it is it is gold. It is worth the price on Patreon. Patreon.com slash 8122productions. I promise you for $1 or $3, that show alone, and we'll be doing that monthly, is worth it. Worth it. And you get the show early. You get the show the night we do it instead of having to wait till the next day. I was just proud to be a part of it. It was fun. And my payment was like watching your face in awe of some of the stuff that Derek was saying. <laughs> and so, that was nothing. That was tame. It was very tame. He, he didn't go too out. I mean, it was still entertaining. And he did go uh, to the line. A little bit. But he, 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 he definitely he fell down the first. way past the line. But here's the thing. He, he started felt, me slow. He's breaking me in. He's breaking you in. Gently. Because I feel like next week, next time we're going to up the ante. And then it'll up the ante. And before you know it, it's going to be fucking Reservoir Dogs. I'm oh, just yeah. throwing that out there. Absolutely. So, uh. Sorry, we hijacked this for a second. That's okay. Uh, so you brought up in being inclusive. Yes, yes, yes. We, we got somebody else who's who's big on being inclusive and, and telling everybody that they're not being inclusive, and she just absolutely hates everybody right now, and she's blaming men for everything. That's Elizabeth Banks. Oh, yeah, because of the failure of Charlie's Angels. Because Kirk. of the failure of Charlie's Angels, which look like pure rubbish. Rubbish, I tell you. Well, she is going to be directing and starring in The Invisible Woman. That about sums that, that up. That about sums that up. Uh, here's my problem with it, real quick, because uh, I, I don't want to go too long on this because I don't think it deserves it. But oh my lord, we're getting a really so. First of all, Universal is putting this trash out. They're they're green lighting this. They're putting this trash out, and they already gave the rights to make the Dark Universe movies to Blumhouse. Uh, Blumhouse has now come out when we saw the trailer we talked about it I do believe two weeks ago yeah it was two weeks two ago because yeah. it was when Luke was on we talked about the trailer for The Invisible Man 
The Invisible Man looks amazing. It looks very good. It's got me entrenched. I said that it gave you like it's it's a modern piece of like the original. The original was a very stalking film. Believe it or not, the original film from the 1930s is actually very scary. There's a lot of stalking element. There's a lot of that to it. It's not like oh kill people. There is people who die in that movie, but it's mostly stalking and kind of like is he there? Is he not there? And you kind of get it in this new trailer only with obviously more modern take. So abusiveness and everything else Mm -hmm. and messing with this woman's, you know, he physically abused her. He mentally abused her. Then he fakes his death. (laughs) He's invisible and now is torturing her. Mm -hmm. And, and, and so it's great. Now we hear universal's like, Oh, okay. Well, Elizabeth Banks, you know, you just flopped on another movie we budgeted for you. And that was Charlie's angels. But you know, you're right. We, we don't want to piss you off because you're saying it's because of men. Uh, So let's make it a visible woman movie. You can do an invisible woman. You can direct and star in it. And what you're going to do is you're going to you're going to cut the legs out from underneath the the dark universe again. Yeah. And you pass it on because you want this universe to succeed allegedly. So you pass it on to a very capable hands. They're going to show us a version of the Invisible Man. Of course, we'll see it way before this Invisible Woman movie. But they're going to show us a version of the Invisible Man that most people are excited about from the first trailer, and that could start this whole dark universe. And then you're going to put this movie out after they get the ball rolling and go, and people are going to be like, "Oh, is that part of the dark universe?" Yeah. I'm just that saying. could screw up Bullshit. a lot of things. So I just want to say that up until this point, I have always liked Elizabeth Banks. I, I think that she's a good actress. She's funny. She's good in dramatic roles. Forty uh, year old virgin. You know, it was the first time I remember ever seeing her. She oh, was I good love in her that. movies. I, she was good in Brightburn. She was great. Oh, great in Brightburn. She was amazing. She in was really good in that. She carried that. I movie have nothing for, against for her. Part. I have nothing against her as an actress. I have nothing against her as a visionary or anything else that she does. I just don't like the fact that you put out an IP being Charlie's Angels that nobody cared about to begin with when they yeah. originally did it. And then when it failed, because it ultimately was going to, and from what I understand from people who actually saw it, the movie was quite trash and you couldn't follow it. But when it failed, instead of saying, man, okay, we just struck out, you blamed men and men not coming to see your movie. I call That's, bullshit yeah. because there's other women led movies that people, you know, went to see. And obviously we can just go right to horror. We can go right to the fact that Halloween 2018, one of the highest grossing horror movies of all time in the theaters. And that was very woman power and woman led. Because if you tell me that Jamie Lee Curtis was not the, the dominant role in that movie, probably more so than Michael Myers, then I, I, I'll call it shenanigans on you. Yeah. Just throwing it out there. As she much as was, I hate a, that movie, she right. was the fucking hunter in that movie. Michael oh, yeah. was not the hunter. Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, Laurie Strode was the hunter in that movie. She was the alpha in that movie. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. I agree. As much the as I hate the movie, were, the I roles were you. flipped. She was an innocent girl in the original. And the nice part, that was the only, that was one of the good parts of the plot. And that's why I give it a little higher grade than you do is because the one cool story is in the original, she was that innocent, meek girl. And now you see where that event turned her into this you know, uh, person who was prepared and was right. never going to be taken advantage of again. And Furthermore, became the alpha completely yeah. and the hunter when it comes. And now it looks like the roles will be reversed again in Halloween Kills. That's the nice part about seeing the things that we're hearing about that already is that it looks like it's going back to Michael going, okay, you one up me. You were the alpha. It's time for me to be the alpha. Again. Yeah. To then to go I expect into the, Michael to be a lot. Oh, I expect, him, I expect him to be the alpha in this movie and yeah. become the hunter again and, 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 it's gonna and get Laurie to... on the heels and it's going to lead to Halloween Ends where we get the final showdown and now we have There's a There's going to be a big cliffhanger at the Honestly, end of that it's movie. Gonna, because, of, because of the way they're doing this three ones, I'm going to tell you right now, I feel like they're doing the rubber match. Laurie got round one, Michael gets round two, and then come find out who gets round three. Right. And I, I love the way that they're setting this up. 
I mean, obviously they could drop the ball, but as long as that that setup right now looks amazing. And so don't tell me women-led stuff cannot make a ton of money because yeah. that made a ton of money. And I think we have one more piece of news, do we not? Yeah, we do. So for, for you know, this time of year, last year when we did the show, we talked all about Christmas movies, Christmas horror movies, Black Christmas oh, especially. Oh, no, 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 that's, 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 next, that's the next Well, segment. we talked about it last year, yes, but we we're also going to be talking about it again later. But, you know, before the show, I happened to be talking to Rich. We were going over our, our production notes and whatnot. And I said, you know, for our Jewish friends out there, there's no movie about Hanukkah. There's oh, no yes. horror movies about Hanukkah. And I looked it up, and, and I thought there was. Yeah, and and just like that, as if Hanukkah Harry stopped at our house and and sprinkled little dust and, and made all of our wishes and dreams come true. Lit the menorah. And if you haven't seen Hanukkah Harry, classic stuff from John Lovitz on Saturday Night Live when he was on the show. But just like that, right in front of us, there is a new horror movie coming out called Hanukkah. And it's the last role that Sid Haig was in. It was the last role, and this has got a great cast in it. So, first of all, you know, I just want to say that check out the the trailer. We'll put it up on our on our Facebook page and on Twitter. Uh, it, it's it's also on bloodydisgusting.com. Uh, the trailer actually at first kind of started a little bit rough, but the movie got better. But uh, or the trailer got better, I should say, for this movie. But uh, it's going to be available in limited release on December thirteenth, so coming up soon next week. Uh, and then, and then a week later, just one week later. Available, get this, on VHS on December 20th. Yeah, you can see Hanukkah on VHS. It's not going to be appearing on VOD or Blu-ray until February 11th. Yeah, so, so if you, you got that this VHS copy, VHS. and get yourself a VCR, get you a VCR. You can probably first. get them pretty cheap right you can, now. You can watch this before Christmas. Maybe get a record player while you're while you're purchasing a new uh, new uh, VCR. But, by, uh, by the way, record record players are back in, Mike. I know they are, but you can find them everywhere. VCRs, not so much. You might have to go to Goodwill for that. Maybe get a Beta. Remember Betamax? Yes, that was actually the superior form of VHS. And then well, we won't get into the connections, <laughs> so we'll save that for uh, Love Is Scary with uh, Spooky like Mike and Doctor Derek. Uh, but, but you know, great cast in this thing. It, like there was said, a great cast. Sid Haig in his final role. Uh, Charles Fleischer is going to be in this. Caroline Williams, who is a scream queen in her own right, she was in uh, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part Two, uh, as well as other things. But uh, you know, she's great. PJ Souls is going to mm-hmm. be in this. Another scream queen in her own right. Dick Miller in his last role. He unfortunately he passed away. I believe it was a year ago. Uh, but he was uh, Mr. Fetterman in in, in uh, the Gremlins movies. Yes, that's true. Yeah. Futterman. Fetterman, Fetterman. Is it Fetterman? Fetterman, Fetterman. Fetterman. I, something. I, something like that. Uh, so it's good cast, but uh, the movie actually looks pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yep. So for our Jewish friends out there, you have got your own horror movie coming out Shana, for the holidays. Shanika coming out at you. Can't wait. Uh, so uh, there was one more thing in there. Sorry, I forgot about. Uh, Bloody Disgusting uh, has a podcast. Uh, or the podcast, they call it The Boo Crew. And uh, they got to sit down this week, uh, this past week, with Dr. Sleep director Mike Flanagan and also white writer and actress Kate Siegel, who is in, of course, The Haunting of Hill House. Uh, of course, Mike Flanagan, obviously, is in charge of that as well. Uh, but they did. They, they got a little... They, it was centric to Dr. Sleep in some Haunted on Hill House and, and of course, you know, the, the, the coming up next series. Uh, but... They had to ask him about his comments. Of course, remember when the uh, Craven Estate opened up and said, hey, we're taking uh, movie pitches for uh, Nightmare on Elm Street since it's back with us and we want we want to make this movie. Uh, he, uh, he, of course, went on Instagram and put, put me in, coach. I've got a pitch. So, of course, the Boo Crew had to ask him, hey, uh, can you elaborate on this? And uh, so he, he kind of, in a way, did. He goes, I, ha- I got a killer idea. 
And then and then Kate Siegel adds in, oh, it's so good. And then uh, goes back and Flanagan says, I'm dying to get in there to pitch it. Flanagan continues, if I got to do this, it would be so cool. So he is still talking about how he wants to pitch his Nightmare on Elm Street uh, movie. And you know what? Our fans don't have to wait for Patreon. And I know we ran along on the news this week, but I, I, I want to give my pitch to the Craven family right here, right now. I promise, Mike, it'll be short because as a pitch, it's going to be like 60 seconds, maybe 90 seconds. All right, ready? Ready for my pitch? I'm ready. You got your hands ready? Got They're it. Up. Can you view? Can you view? No, you got to get in the box. Like you're viewing what I'm telling you. I can see okay, it. Are you ready? I am ready. Okay, so this is how the movie's going to go. We're going to be introduced to some Elm Street kids because, you know, you have to have them. Absolutely. If you don't have Elm Street kids, then you don't have them. But we're going to be introduced to a male Elm Street kid first because, you know, the guys always have to get to acting first. Right. Let's be honest. And he's going to ha- he's gonna have the nightmares. You're going to s- see Freddy. And-, and Freddy may even be involved in a tornado somehow. And then this guy is going to go on to believe that he is the son of Freddy Krueger. And then we're going to find out the big swerve that it's actually a girl. It's a daughter. And we're going to get some flashback scenes. We're going to get some, you know, nice hearing from you, Carlos. Uh, we're going to, it's, it's going to be fucking great. Yeah? Can, can you see so my far, vision? So good. Yeah. Can you see my vision? I do see the vision. Yeah. Yeah. Mike. I'm in. <laughs> You're in? I'm in. You're in? So, so you want to watch uh, Freddy's Dead again, right? I want to see Freddy's Dead. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the rich story. Yeah. 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 So, so basically, I'm going to remake. Cut. My, my, my pitch is to remake Freddy's Dead. <laughs> Pretty much. God. Just this full on uh, shot for shot remake. Notice how I was I was just indulging you on that whole. And thing. I want to bring Roseanne Barr back. Uh, we probably can't bring Tom Arnold back because I don't think we can get convince them to be near each other. Yeah, but uh, but I want to bring like shot for shot remake. I I, we, I did that interview with Lisa Zane, so I I think we bring her back. Yeah, uh, yeah. I say we go all in. Let's just do it. Everybody comes back. Maybe we could even uh, you know get Billy Zane in it. We can get uh, you know. Kate Winslet and Leonardo DiCaprio and you know we could yeah I think you're thinking too high Johnny Depp's got to come back though he's he's a, we he's could a, have like Freddy's Dead meets Titanic how about That's Kevin Bacon here how about Kevin Bacon you know what Kevin Bacon died in Friday the 13th it's time for him to die in Nightmare on Elm Street I'm in you know what people want him to play Freddy Krueger how about how about Footloose Robert England wants him to play Freddy Krueger I know but, he has mentioned doing it but Freddy Krueger as Footloose so, yes, there you go. He can play well, Freddy Krueger, but yeah. he's got to do it fo- footloose. He's got to, everybody, everybody go footloose. Yeah, he's got to dance. I don't know if Robert England can do that. Kick off Sunday so shoes. So, we got to yeah, get Kevin right, Bacon to I'm do in. that. I'm in. That's my pitch. Yeah. That is my pitch. But my pitch to you guys, because we are getting ready to take that break, my pitch to you guys is simple. Uh, go ahead. If you want to talk about any of the news we talked about, I know we went in depth. If you want to add your pitch, you want to give us your pitch for Nightmare on Elm Street even, you know where you can do that. You can go to Facebook, Horizon 607 on Facebook. Go ahead and like that page, share that page, rate and review that page. If you haven't done that already, help us spread the word. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at Horizon 607 for all the social media to join the conversation. Hit that hashtag. HZ607. And of course, well, I mentioned it earlier, go to 8122productions.com. You can see some reviews, Mike's done. You can stream and download from there. You can check out our friends of the show and all sorts of crazy stuff there. And of course, if you want that extra bonus content, including Love is Scary with Spooky Mike and Dr. Derek, getting this show and others and the Three Fat Nerds shows early and other bonus content uh, coming up in December, we're going to be doing Thanks Killing, Thanks Killing 3, uh, because finally the Blu rays, I think, have come in. So we'll be able to do it they this have. month. I talked to them today. Awesome. So we're going to watch it in high quality you can i just want to point out real quick before you finish this he told me he thinks he's going to we're going to put that on the shelf until next thanksgiving i ah, know ah. uh, it's going to happen it's going to happen soon of course if you want to hear that it'll be on patreon patreon.com slash 8122 productions one dollar and three dollars it's, it's it's cheap but it helps us 
keep the show uh, going and pay for expenses. So uh, think about supporting us. It'll be good stuff. And with that, we are going to take our break. We are going to come back with some talking horror. And more importantly, we're going to explain to you Twas the Night Before Black Christmas. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Dustin Perry from Ghost Hunters and Ghost Hunters International, and you listen to Horror Zone 607. Alright, we're back and we are talking horror and this week's talking horror segment, uh, you know, we are in the Christmas mood. It is that time of the year. It is the most wonderful time of the year, or allegedly. Beautiful. Say, so it was great. It was like my mind. Like an angel. I feel like I'm sitting I, next to an I, angel. I, I do compare myself to a cherub. You know what it was? It was scrumtrulescent. Yes, scrumtrulescent. I'm very scrumtrulescent. I am also very... Oh, boo. Boo, you know what I did? I made a mistake. I didn't turn on the thing. <laughs> I didn't uh, have the volume up. Sorry. That's okay. I, 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 but anyways, uh, here's what we're doing. We wanted to celebrate Christmas. Last year, we did a bunch of stuff to celebrate Christmas. But this year, there's a little more meaning to it. Okay? Because obviously, coming up, uh, so we have more than a week. But coming up on the 13th, we have the uh, third remake of Black Christmas uh, that we have bashed on. Because let's be honest, it looks nothing like the original or the remake, and they're just using the Black Christmas name. This is one of the times that this is probably the first time I am super disappointed in Blumhouse films. And yeah. we've gone on and we've talked about this before. Uh, the only way I'm going to see this movie is if uh, our friend Luke finds the time and I and I actually have to go see it with him. Other than that, I ain't going. Yeah, I'm not uh, planning on seeing this one nor writing yeah. a review. Yeah, because yeah. it'll. It, it, I have a feeling it'll be uh, about a one out of ten. But I wanted to take us to happier times. And last year, when we were talking about Christmas movies, we did say we did kind of put up against each other the original Black Christmas from 1974 against the remake of Black Christmas from 2006. We went head to head, but we didn't do a deep dive. We just kind of said what we liked, what we didn't like, and which one won out. And of course, Black Christmas '74 did win out. Uh, although we did find that we ended up liking the remake more than we originally thought, anyways. So what we're going to do is we're calling this, you know, how we did Halloween Fest. We're calling this Twas the Night Before Black Christmas. And I understand it's going to be two nights. So it's going to be Twas the Night Before Black Christmas Part 1 and Twas the Night Before Black Christmas Part 2, which will happen next week. So this week, we are going to give our kind of review and takes on how we feel about the original Black Christmas from 1974. And next week, we are going to go into a more of a deep dive on uh, Black Christmas 2006. And that way, we can try to forget about the stank that's coming out next weekend that is that horrible abomination that coming out uh called there's calling itself black christmas but it is really not black christmas so with that being said let's dive in to the 1974 classic of course it was released in the usa on december 20th 1974 talk about knowing your market oh yeah <laughs> talk about knowing your market i i do want to point out it was made for six hundred and twenty thousand dollars, mike Whew. did you know what the the box office for it was Four million dollars. I was going to say maybe about Which, two or three. I didn't think it. Like yeah. going back into that time in 1974, four million dollars was a lot of money. That's, that's it was. That's especially much making like forty million now. Yeah, especially because you probably had a lot of mothers that were unhappy about it because they had the name Christmas in it and it was a horror movie, a slasher movie. You know that. that I know they made a bigger stink about um, um, Silent Night, Deadly yeah, Night, yeah. 
But um, you know, I'm, I know that there were people that weren't happy about it. So that's that's pretty good money for the era. And if this would have came out in 1984, it would have had it would have had a franchise. It would have been sequels. Honestly, it, it was something that was more it had more of a cult following. This movie right. was forgotten. For, yeah. for what? Two but decades? I'm just saying, with making with a six hundred twenty thousand dollar budget and in the box office, you made four million at that time. I'm telling you, if it would have been 1984, we of course adjusting rates for inflation, you would have gotten a franchise out of this movie. Black yeah. Christmas would have been a franchise. Uh, unfortunately, it was not. Of course, it was uh, produced and directed by Bob Clark, and it was written by Roy Moore. Roy Moore, sorry. I kind of messed that up. So that's that's the little rundown of the thing. So if you guys don't know uh, the synopsis, the overview, if you will, I'm going to give you the overview actually from Google, and then we can dive in. Uh, the overview uh, from Google is, as winter breaks begins, a group of sorority sisters, including Jess, who is played by Olivia Hussey, and, then, and the often inebriated Barb, played by Margot Kidder, begin to... Re- to perfection. Yes. Begin to re- receive anonymous, lavacious, lavacious, sorry, phone calls. Initially, Barb eggs the caller on, but stops when he responds threateningly. Soon, Barb's friend Claire, Lynn Griffin, goes missing from the sorority house and a local adolescent girl is murdered leading the girls to suspect a serial killer is on the loose but no one realized just how near the culprit is so uh this movie does not bury the lead it opens very hot it opens with the sorority sisters you're in the sorority house they're getting some of them are getting ready to go home for the holiday some of them are gonna stay and uh get drunk and don't forget the first person point of view of the killer coming into the house and getting into the house that's right you i i, I a la halloween uh, yeah well later on halloween because yeah. obviously that four years later halloween yeah. would do that kind of take that shot uh but we don't have to wait long for a kill was what i'm going with it we have a, a, a for the time and even now when you look at it, a very disturbing kill right away with the uh famous uh sm- suffocation with a bag and a clothing Honestly, bag how many right? times have we seen that in a movie it doesn't that you know people get choked out they mm-hmm. get their necks broken I don't know that I've ever really seen that in another movie. No. I can't think of anything off the top of my head. But th- this is all in the first five, ten minutes of oh, this yeah. movie. Oh, yeah. You get you get a killer point of view. You have the sorority house, you know, a buzz because, like I said, some of the girls are staying and partying. Some of the girls are going home. You have the house mother, and then you know you have you know the sorority sister just getting ready because she's going home. And the next thing you know, she is dead. And, and that's how we open this movie. Yeah. And it never slows down from that. And then it becomes kind of like a whodunit. So, you know, other people end up dead. Uh, once again, they talk about the adolescent girl that ends up dead. A couple other people start in it. Like, and it starts, it's a trickling effect. The only the only consistent is not only is this happening, but there's these weird phone calls. Mm-hmm. And Mario Kidder is, plays a drunk very well in this movie. And she does egg the caller on. And then you start to get, is it this person or that person or this person? At one point in juncture, you believe it's the boyfriend. Uh, Olivia Hussey's boyfriend. Olivia yep. Hussey, thank you. Uh, you believe it's her boyfriend. Uh, they, they they lean heavily on that. He's the, he's definitely, in my opinion, the red herring of the movie. Mm-hmm. Then at one point, Jokester, I do believe, was it a janitor or a teacher or something that was uh, another possible? I thought they were looking at somebody else for the crime. But no, I, no. I know the I know the I know the boyfriend was like the big. Right he was there. the prime suspect. He was the prime suspect. Everybody thinks he's done it. He ends up showing up. He's the you know it's like a la what Scream would do. Yeah, later the guy's on. like bipolar big time. I mean oh. he's he's nuts. And then on top of that, he would show up like right after something happened. Right. And then be like, oh, what happened? So people are like, you are coincidentally just showing up. He happens to come down the stairs at one point and said that he snuck in the house and and had had a sleep. Is I believe the way that he puts sleep. it. He I had, had a little sleep. sleep. But no matter how you look at it, it's, it's leaned heavily on. Uh, we come to find out that the calls, and I, 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 correct me if I'm wrong, I believe this is the first movie that used the call as coming from in the house. 
Yeah, because I do believe that when a stranger calls was, was after in the eighties. Yeah, it was after. So this was the first movie where you know, and it is a is a historic scene. Uh, she calls the, the police station call. You know, the, so the the caller calls, and then also the police station calls, and they're like, "Get out of there!" The call is coming from inside the house, and they're like, right. "What? Oh my god!" Played so, by the great John Saxon. Yeah, and the the killer is in the house, and uh, we do get to see his. <laughs> His his show, if you will. He, he, of course, like any great killer, he has a display. Yeah. <laughs> he does have the display, but we never. The the key to this movie, in my opinion, going into it, like this is uh, you never get to see the killer. Ambiguous, very, it's ambiguous. very ambiguous. And the first time I saw this movie, I didn't like it because really? of that. I was still fairly new to to horror. I was still kind of watching a lot of movies I hadn't seen, and you know. It, it was it was a long time ago that I did watch it. So the first time I saw it, I really didn't care for that ending because you always had the old Scooby Doo ending where you pull the mask off and oh my god, let's see who this really is. It was Old Man Carruthers. Yeah, but so, no, not you here. know the fact that it had the ambiguous ending, I didn't like it. And it was actually Luke of all people that said that's what the best part is. Mm-hmm. That's the best part. And the more I got into horror and started to understand it and love it, the more I went back and revisited that movie, watched it a couple more times. I was like, brilliant. He was absolutely right about this. And that's where my love for this movie actually began. Oh, absolutely. This is an amazing movie. It's done very well. Uh, I atmosphere, do like the atmosphere, atmosphere. There's a lot. There's there's cool kills in it. There's good kills in it. It's definitely, a, it's it's one of, it, I believe it's one of the early slasher films. Uh, some people some people believe the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is a slasher film. It is to an extent. Yeah. This movie is a slasher film to an extent. It, it's not quite there with the blood and guts yet. It's more there with the stalking and the killing and the body count. There is a body oh, count it's a in this movie. movie. Right, right. And that's why one I, of the one of the we grandfathers. Wanted, right, right. But once again, it's not considered because it was before the slasher genre existed. Right. And the uh, the only thing that really sets this aside from what we would become to call a slasher movie is blood. Mm-hmm. Because slasher movies are usually uh, have a lot of blood in them, right? And a lot of you know high e slashing because you know that's the hence where it gets the name. Michael Myers, the body count in the first Halloween wasn't that high, but that is the that is the godfather of slasher films because it created the genre in the what we know as a slasher film. But however, the footsteps, including some of the shots, were definitely taken from Black Christmas, which in my opinion was if if it was the granddaddy to to, you know, if if, if you might not say that it is the father of uh, slasher films. You say that Halloween, but this is definitely the grandfather and in, uh, in, in a lot of ways and kind of funny when you say it, Texas Chainsaw is kind of the godmother or grandmother of, yeah. of this film of, of Becoming and Both came out in 1974, which is kind of ironic. But mm-hmm. 1978, when, when Halloween came out, he, those elements were there from those two movies. And I believe that those are the grandmother and grandfather, if you will, right. of the slasher They genre. made some beautiful children. They did. And then it kind of went on from there. Uh, this movie is definitely great. If you are a slasher fan, if you are a horror fan and you've never seen Black Christmas 1974, this is a must watch. This is one of those movies where we tell you sometimes, oh, watch the movie, trust us, whatever. This movie is a must watch. If you have never seen it, this is a must watch. You have to watch this movie. Yeah, and I've had people come up to me and, and ask me, uh, Brian, who uh, is on the ODPH from time to time, um, you know, he asked me, I, I don't know if it was last year or the year before, well, sometime within the last two years, he's like, you know, you know, I, I'm fascinated by this horror thing. You've kind of got me interested in it. You know, I, I, I'm trying to catch up on these things. I've never been a big fan, but I like them and I want to watch more and I want to be educated by it. You know, what what are a couple of movies that you can you can recommend that I'd really like that would really, you know, blow my mind that would make me love horror? And the first two things that came to my mind were Black Christmas, 1974, not the remake, 1974. 
and behind the mask, the rise of Leslie Vernon, which it ties into this because a lot of people feel that one of the characters that's in that movie actually is the killer, from the killer from the Black Christmas. Black Christmas yeah. So um, there's, there's a theory behind that, but um, the, in my opinion, the two, two best movies I can think of off the top of my head um, to watch if you're new to horror, you know, they're both brilliant in their own way, but black Christmas. I mean, again, you know, that's the other thing that same person, Brian asked me and a lot of people ask me what makes a good horror movie suspense and atmosphere suspense and atmosphere and this movie has it that house that they used this was a canadian film it was filmed in in toronto and if i ever make it to toronto i want to go see where this was filmed i have a fascination with certain you know filming locations and and this is something i really want to go to that house i'd love to to somehow find a way to get in and walk around the house even though i know that would never happen but i'd love to knock on the door and ask the owner hey I'm doing a documentary about this or something, you know, just some way to get in there because somebody there's a video on YouTube about that and they let the person in and uh, it's a great video, but uh, I, I would kill to see that that house was perfect for it. It was shot to perfection. The house still looks largely the same as it did, except the uh, attic is different. They finished it. It was just an attic in, in the movie. So that looks different, but everything else is identical. And uh, it just that, that, that house played a big role in that movie. Oh, absolutely. And I, I'm, once again, I'm with you on it. It's a great atmospheric movie. It's really good. It has all the feels of a horror movie. It's really, it's a great movie. Uh, and once again, there's there's a handful of must, well, not a handful. There's actually more than a handful now. There's about 20 must-watch horror films that I always tell people are must-watch horror films if you are if you're, if you like the genre. This of is course, top of the list. Of course, Black, oh, top five all day. I, I, we, I could go over a list. I'm not going to put them in ranking, but this is top five all day. It's up there with Halloween 1978. It's up there with Jaws. Uh, which are both classics. It's up there, you know. I, I even tell people the first Nightmare on Elm Street is a, is is a must watch. Why? Because you have to understand where that franchise came from. Uh, once again, I'm a big fan of telling people the original Friday the Thirteenth. Uh, it's kind of like that SLC Punk that movie when it came out, where yeah. they were where they made the comment about you know who who created punk music was it the Sex Pistols or the Ramones? And uh, uh, Matthew Lillard's character says you know it doesn't matter who if it was the Sex Pistols, you know the Sex Pistols, the Sex Pistols created it. The the remote the Ramones uh, did it better, and then uh, the Clash perfected it. And so you kind of go with that logic for this. So like Halloween created the 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 you know you know actually no, uh, basically Black Christmas created the slasher genre in a way. Yeah, Halloween is the granddaddy of them all. It is the one that put it on the map, and then. Uh, I think I think Friday the Thirteenth perfected the slasher, and I've said this before. I don't know if I said it on air or if it was just something we were talking. But Halloween's always been my all time favorite horror movie, yeah, and one of my all time favorite movies of all time. The more times I've watched Black Christmas, the more times I start, the more I start realizing this: the movie is is on par with mm-hmm. Halloween, if not yeah. better. Ah. It's acted better. The acting is better in it. I don't um, know. I, I'm biased, and I do. I think I like Halloween. I, I like Halloween better, but this movie is definitely on par. It is. It's it definitely is, on par. It's close to a perfect horror movie as there is. It's it's up there. Like I said, it's. I I would dare say that this is always in my top three. I usually, if I would say top three off the top of my head, it would probably be Halloween, Jaws, and then this. And the only reason Jaws brings it out is because I think Jaws defined a generation. Oh yeah, yeah. I you know that movie what can you say people almost 50 years later are still afraid to go in the ocean because of that movie that movie's amazing and think about it we all owe it to a broken shark yeah that movie was going to be a much different movie until that shark broke and then that's what created the atmosphere of that movie that's what created that creeping stalking and not seeing the monster yeah the monster that you can't see is more scary and once again hence why black christmas is a great movie because the monster you can't see is more scary you never see 
the actual killer. You don't know who the killer is. You just know it's not the boyfriend by the end of it. That's all you yeah. know. You know, it's, it's it's a it's a mystery person. Without giving anything away, too, I think that one of the most brutal and, and greatest scenes, and one of the great scenes in all of horror, and it doesn't get this because it was like I said, it was kind of a forgotten movie. It's it's gotten bigger over the the last decade, um, but for for two decades, this movie was just forgotten. And somebody discovered it and got it out there and people started watching it more. But uh, there's a scene in that movie where Olivia Hussey goes outside to her front porch and there's a bunch of kids there with with uh, some some adults and they're caroling their Christmas caroling on Christmas. And uh, just that scene with the Christmas song that they're singing and what's going on in the house at the same time. Brutal, beautiful, perfect. Just one of the great scenes in all of horror. Yeah, I agree. So, we're going to play a little game here before we close out. Uh, it's going to see if you can get close to these numbers, Mike. So, uh, we got we got four. Uh, we'll, we'll start with IMDb. It is a 10-point system, and there is points in it. So, you okay. know, so you know, 6.1, whatever, whatever. So, what do you think, out of 10, that IMDb gives it? Now, mind you, this is going to be mostly, obviously, critics and such for IMDb. Okay. As much as I feel that the movie should be a 9-point something, I'm going to say maybe like a 7.9. Uh, you're close, but a little off. 7.2 out of 10 on okay. IMDb. All right, so... Which is unfair. On Metacritic, this is a percentage out of 100. What do you think Metacritic gave him? Mind you, Metacritic is all pretty much critics, and so it's just critics and critiques, and they critique different movies, and then they So it's take, not fan critiques? Well, what, no, no. Basically, they take critic critiques, and then they average them, and that's how they get the percentage. Metacritic, just, when it comes to video games, um, it tends to be a little bit lower. I'm going to say with this one, 6.4. Well, it's a percentage, sorry. Oh, so you're close. So you're 64%. 64%. You were super close, 65%. Okay. Rotten Tomatoes is, of course, a mixture of fans and critics. What do you think the Rotten Tomatoes score is? I'm going to go in the 70s again, maybe 75. Close, uh, 69%. So it came up a little bit from the critics. But here's one that's just fans, and I should add mine to this, but I'm not going to before I ask you. Google users. How many percentage of Google users like this movie? It's a percentage again out of 100%. Percentage out of 100%. 91%. Close, 85, okay. 85%, which uh, I'm going to hit that thumbs up button right now. Watch. Uh, oh, look at that. Thumbs up. So it didn't change it. It's still 85%. Well, but, it still, but still, boom. I would have loved if we went up to 80 This is a movie that deserves to be in the 90s without a doubt. It's one of the greatest horror movies ever made. Watch this movie. Go to Google. Hit that thumbs up. Bring up that, that score. I'm just throwing that out there. There's this there's, there's my little side thing. So Black Christmas, 1974. Talking about it here on Twas the Night Before Black Christmas Part one. So next week on the show, Talking Horror will be Twas the Night Before Black Christmas Part Two, and we will be talking about the 2006 remake, giving you the numbers, giving you our feelings. Uh, it is a different. It is a similar movie. It's in a similar vein with one gigantic difference. We will talk about it next week. If you already have seen the movie, you already know what the gigantic difference is. Well, difference is. There's two gigantic differences, technically, in this movie uh, without giving it away this week. We will talk about that next week, how we feel about it. Uh, Is it better or worse? Uh, you'll, You'll have to wait till next week to get our opinion on that. However, with that being said, uh, we still don't like the new one. To hell with it. It, And, uh, you know, even on a week where Elizabeth Banks is going to be doing Invisible Woman, I think uh, this week and next week, in honor of it, it's just the the fail of the week goes to this new remake of Black Christmas. So, fail of the week. And we haven't even seen it yet. Fail of the week this week. It's fail of the week next week. Maybe it'll be a great movie. I, I doubt it. I, yeah, I, 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 doubt I don't believe that for I one second. I doubt it. It looks horrible. They've butchered the concept and they just called something Black Christmas. If they call it something... Okay, here's the problem. 
It's going to be one of those movies that even if it was going to be good, I will watch it on VOD just because, because uh, I don't want to pay for it because I don't want to give it support because I hate the fact that they're using the black Christmas name to make money. Uh, I will, I will watch it on VOD. And if it's good for what it is, I will personally admit that if they call it something different then it would be a great movie, but because they're not doing that, I'm not going to pay for a movie that they're literally using the name black Christmas to make money off of. Yeah, that's it. That's the only reason they're calling this movie Black Christmas. Because it has nothing, zero, to do with Black Christmas. And you know how we know? Because they've said so. Yeah. Not only have they shown it in their trailers, but they have said that it is a different, complete take yeah. on the movie. I have a feeling that this is going to make people love the remake a lot more than they do. Mm. Once again, the remake uh, has some redeeming qualities. We'll talk about it next week. Yeah. The re- remake, actually, when I went back and watched it last year. There's redeeming qualities. There's redeeming we'll qualities. Talk we'll talk about, about that ne- the next week. But with that being said, uh, just a quick rundown. Once again, if you have... Uh, anything you want to talk about. If you want to tell us that uh, you're, if you love Black Christmas or you don't like the original Black Christmas of 1974, if you have a different take on the new Blumhouse one that's going to be coming out, if you uh, want to throw in your two cents about uh, Black the Black Christmas remake we're going to be talking about next week, please, please send that in. And uh, if you just want to say, hey, we're, we're down for that too, you can find us on Facebook. HorrorZone607. You can find us on Twitter, at HorrorZone607. For all the social medias to join the conversation, it is hashtag HZ607. Uh, then, of course, you can find us at 8122productions.com. You will not find the uh, new Black Christmas review there when it comes out, because Mike C says, absolutely not, and I don't blame him. I would not make <coughs> him I would not make him watch this movie. Uh, but you can find other reviews. That. You can find other reviews there. He's done a Doctor Sleep review that's up there. He's yeah. done. He's done a whole bunch of other ones. Halloween 2018. That's the most controversial one. If you want to dive into oh, that yeah. one, go ahead and take a dive into that. Actually, I think he's lowered the score since then. Uh, I wish <laughs> just, I could get in and do it. Just, uh, just, just to throw that out there. Uh, but uh, you know, go ahead and check that out. That's all under the review section on the Horizon 607 page of 8122productions.com. Of course, you can stream and download our shows from there. You can check out what uh, my other podcast, The Three Fat Nerds, is up to. You can also see what our sponsors are. Our friends of the show like the Ocho Dura Parlay Hour shout out to Ken M and all those guys over there uh, you know you can find there you can go click and get on their website you can see the bands that we play and everything else uh, by going to 8122productions.com and last but certainly not least if you would like to support the show and help us with the you know it's no matter what we'll do this show for you for free I, I always want to get that out of the open I don't like selling like I'm shilling but if you would like to help support this show we do have expenses uh we, you can do it easily. We're going to give you a lot of content because you're getting bonus content from the Three Fat Nerds. You're getting bonus content from Horizon 607. You're getting Love is Scary with Spooky Mike and Dr. Derek, which can only be behind a paywall. Trust me on that. And if Ken M from the ODPH says that that is the reason to join our Patreon by itself. It's rated PG-13. Yes. Uh, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's rated R. It is rated R. <laughs> and, and, and it might start stepping in. a hard in, R. By the way, it might start stepping into the X ratings eventually. It might start off as TVM. R. We'll give it a TV. First one was R rated. The next one is probably going to be a hard R. And then the next one will be X, then double X, then triple X. And then it'll just be like you're going to prison in some Guatemalan jail. <laughs> like That's what's going to happen. So six months in, both Mike and Derek are going to disappear to some black black ops camp somewhere yeah just throwing it out there but regardless if you would like to support us and help us out it's only there's two tiers one dollar and three dollars you can simply go to patreon.com slash 8122 productions and you know what just help help out every little bit helps we don't really want it we're not trying to get rich we're just trying to help pay some of the bills that we incur here and if you support us we're going to give you a whole bunch of bonus content there trust me it's it's more than worth it uh other people who are on love it as well so uh join up and uh support us if you will and mike that is all the announcements to end the show 
All right. Well, thank you guys for listening once again. We hope you enjoyed part one of Twas the Night Before Black Christmas. Again, don't forget to tune in next week to hear part two of this. Uh, I'm sure we're going to uh, totally dump on the new one uh, some more at that point. Uh, But we will be back next week with all your biggest horror movie news and just talking a whole lot of horror. So for Rich, I am Mike C. Saying, see ya.